0: Hey everyone, welcome to a, another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. As always, I'm your host, Adam Smith, with Just the Tips Coaching and with us again, as always, is our marketing director, one of our other sales coaches, Jen Weber. Hey, Jen. Hi, Adam. How was your trip?
1: It was exhausting, but a good time.
0: Weekend in New Mexico. Yeah, Very after cool. a concert
1: Friday night in Denver. So
0: after a concert Friday night in Denver that's a yeah. quick turnaround all
1: yeah, right and we have
0: we've got a really cool guest today We've got a repeat guest today and our guest has had some fairly monumental shifts in his career since the last time he was on the show so we thought that it would be a really good timing to have him on and discuss some of these things so welcome back Jacob Mueller hey Jacob hey Adam thanks for having me yeah on top of uh, some monumental, uh career advances uh your beard is following suits as well <laughs> yeah that's uh, right uh most of our audience is listening to the podcast and not actually watching the video cast if that's you and you want to go see jacob's <laughs> epic beard uh you can uh, catch us on all the social media platforms and go check that out so um take welcome back we're glad to have you on you've uh Made some advancements in your career since we've had you on the show. You left Atlas, started your own firm. Really cool stuff. And you guys have kind of taken on an additional workload with a lot of short-term rental management.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Well, tell us about that, because it must be chaos. I have some short-term rentals. Jen Jen knows. She's even used one. Um, uh, we've got a cabin in the mountains in Colorado that she's been to a couple of times, I think. And... Yeah, my wife and I manage it all ourselves, and it is a lot. It's a lot with only a handful of doors, and you guys are managing how many? Uh, We're currently at about 72. Wow. Wow, and you could be dealing with two, three, four, five, six guests every month at every door.
2: Oh, yeah, more than that. Yeah, I mean, like, even on, maybe, what's today, Monday? Yesterday, we probably
0: had 52 guests checking out. In a day. Uh, In a day, yes, that's right. Yeah, We've got one coming in for an entire month of October at one of our properties. (laughs) Nice. And we're, like, so grateful, yeah. We gave her a big discount. We're, like, yeah, absolutely, to know that we don't have to deal with all the uh, turnover over yeah. the course of that month is really, really spectacular. So, tell us how this all came to pass. How did you get started? You've got some people on your team. Give us the rundown, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, I've been investing in short term rentals like you, Adam, uh,
2: for a little while. I didn't take it super aggressively. You know, I'm a long term rental investor mostly, that's what I kind of grew up in but I had a couple of short-term rentals and through my brokerage activities, I've met some really interesting guys who were, were doing this like big time Airbnb. Um, and I, I started to learn a little bit about what they were doing as clients. I was just helping them buy property. I was just their agent. And I saw some of the cool things they were doing. And I was like, wow, I feel like there's a big opportunity here. And so we all kind of had grown our own separate little Airbnb businesses. Uh, and so each of us had, I don't know, five to eight listings. Um, and one day we were just kind of hanging out and we we're like, why are we doing this all separately? Like we could combine all of these things and make it way more efficient achieve some economies of scale. Decided to do that back in October. Like I said, October of 21, I was still working for Atlas at the time. I was a regional manager for them in Colorado Springs, had a team of four or five people. Um, so anyway, I was doing that, but I had these rentals. We decided to form this company. As we built this company we're like, Hey, I wonder, um, I wonder if other people would find value in this. Maybe we should just like uh, bring on a few people, talk to a few people, see if they're interested. Uh, And so we started talking to some people in our networks, finding out if they'd be interested in having it managed. And we found out there was actually quite a bit of interest. And so we onboarded our first property management client in January of 2022. And uh, it was then that I realized, uh, well, if we're managing people's property, we probably should have an employing brokerage license. In the state of Colorado, you have to have a license to manage real estate for other people. Just like you have to have a license to be a loan originator like you, you are Adam. Um, And so we decided, I decided at that point in January, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta quit Atlas. I gotta do this thing full time. So I quit Atlas in March, became the employing broker for our company, which is called Renjoy rentals. You enjoy. And uh, we started growing, that company. Right now we have, I have two other agents doing the brokerage side, mostly investing, house hacking, kind of helping people break into the real estate market. And then on, on the property management side, we have six or seven full-time employees and about 45 contractors. So we've been growing really fast. There's a big opportunity
0: and uh, yeah, it's been really exciting. Why is it a big opportunity? Give us some background from the consumer perspective. Why is this something I should be doing? And let's not even consider it the consumer perspective, because I do think that a lot of people in real estate, a lot of people in mortgages do a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, Jen and I run in circles where, you know, real estate investing is obviously a very big deal for people that aren't doing it or want to break into it. What should they be doing? How should they be going about it? Uh, what are some of the pitfalls? I mean, you've probably got a scared straight program, certainly with all the contractors <laughs> and so on and so forth. that uh, Help us out. What what should we be doing? What should we not be doing? Well, I heard about 10 questions in there. So I might have to like, <laughs> I might
2: have to, like parse that out a little bit. All
0: right. We're going to run uh, out of time.
2: Yeah, we are. We are. There's so much to talk here. So first of all, what I would say is from our side, the opportunity is that Airbnb has kind of been the wild, wild west of vacation rentals. Like there's been people running around managing other people's properties, and not doing a good job. And what we've learned is that there's uh, professional management is moving into the space. People who actually know what they're doing, have good systems, are licensed for one. It's amazing how many property managers out there who aren't licensed. So that's a big opportunity that we're seeing the professionalization of the industry. Uh, if you're a consumer and you're thinking about buying real estate, the reason you should buy a vacation, rental, I mean, it's really going to depend on everybody's situation. Like Adam, you mentioned you have a cabin in Colorado, right? How often do you use that cabin yourself?
0: i don't know maybe half a dozen times a year that's pretty good
2: so how many how many nights total then two nights each time four nights each time
0: yeah t- between two and four i would say is realistic um so maybe 30 a year somewhere in that range okay awesome and how much do you pay out of pocket to use that cabin ah my house my uh, lodging expense is zero is it is it
2: even negative in other words do you get paid to stay at your cabin
0: that uh, cabin broke into the black this year in June. Awesome.
2: Halfway through the year. Yeah. That's awesome. So what I'm getting at is you as a consumer have an opportunity to buy these second home properties, these investment properties, use them yourselves to do the thing that you love. For Adam, it's you know having a cabin, but for you, it may be a place on the beach. It may be. Somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, well, they that, beach we did that one for Yep. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> you can go from one to the other. We well, do. We well, spent you
0: know, most of July at our beach house.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, that's a perfect example of like, you can have a lifestyle that's afforded by other people paying for your property. They're paying for your mortgage. They're paying for your own stay. And in fact, if you're, I mean, you should be profitable on any Airbnb property you have. And if you're not, you're probably not doing it quite right. And so it allows you to buy property, stay places for free, and have a lifestyle that you might not otherwise be able to have.
0: Okay. So I'm not going to lie because I do think that that's an important piece of the puzzle. I want to make it clear to you, to our audience, that our motivations, uh, well, one of the primary ones for acquiring short-term rental properties was selfish. These are properties that we want to use. These are properties that we will use more frequently in retirement. We weren't just, I don't have a condo in Denver. I don't need a condo never i'm not going to stay there right and no don't get me wrong i think owning a property in the denver city limits uh that you have on airbnb is ridiculously good move very <coughs> profitable i had a buddy come into town uh steve is probably a regular viewer uh he needed a place to stay so let's hop on airbnb let's look in the denver city limits he wanted to be anywhere really between convenient but between the airport and Red Rocks. He was going to see a show at Red Rocks. That's out on the west side of town for those of you that aren't in our immediate area. And so I looked in just the Denver city limits. There were eight available that fit his criteria two bedroom and up. Four of them were in five points. Now, granted, this is a regentrifying area. I don't have anything bad to say about five, five points. Not like it was 20 years ago. Um, uh. Back then, even I was scared in five points, no question. And I wasn't smart enough to know that I should be scared. Um, So half, there were four potential properties available. And it was not inexpensive. His two-night stay or whatever it was, was in the hundreds upon hundreds of dollars range. And if somebody's doing that 10, 20 nights a month on those particular properties, they are way ahead of the game. So our motives are a little more selfish than that. And we do spend quite a bit of time at them, no question. But to be perfectly honest, we had just kind of been looking at a specific formula when it came to price point, when it came to popularity, what's going to draw somebody to that Airbnb. And we were really, really how do I put this? I don't want to say finicky, but we've looked with a really sharp eye at real Mm. estate listing photos because Mm. I could tell if it was somebody's vacation home or if it was an Airbnb. There's no personal shit in there, no clothes, Mm -hmm. no family photos, those kinds of things. So on every one of these, I've negotiated in all the furniture, electronics, dishware Mm -hmm. on and on Mm -hmm. and we've had to buy a set of silverware we've had to buy some linens that kind of thing but we've negotiated all of that property and our beach house came with a golf cart that's awesome right so we've been you know very very cognizant of looking at the actual real estate photos to determine whether or not we're buying a property where we could or could not negotiate in all of that personal property
2: that's super clever
0: so that was one of well I mean, furnishing a house is not cheap or easy. No,
2: no, it is not. It's a lot. It's a big expense. People oftentimes, when they come to me and they say, hey, I want to open a short-term rental, one of my first questions is, "Have you? are you taking over an existing one like you did, Adam, or are you going to create a new one? Because to create a new one is a huge capital expenditure up front. Yep. And lots of people don't even, they don't realize because, you know, when you move, you add things and you get rid of things. And like over time, you accumulate, all the things in your life in your house that you use, but you don't really consider what it's like to buy all of those things at once in Again. for one unit or multiple units. Again, right. yeah. It can be if you're buying a duplex, now you have to do it twice. Yeah. It's it's pretty remarkable how much that can add
0: up and people often don't don't uh, comprehend that cost. I, I think one of the greatest tips I've heard and used is IKEA and TaskRabbit yeah you can do that order it all online have it shipped there and hire a task rabbit to go assemble it all yep yep you can definitely do that but yeah so are you seeing so for the most part what you're seeing in the acquisition space is people are buying vacant property oftentimes yes so when we i would
2: say when we are looking at property management we probably see about uh, about half come from new acquisitions vacant okay. property like you said It's pretty rare that somebody's buying an actively listed and legal short-term rental. It's pretty rare that people are selling those in our markets. Um, Now, where it's in a a more established vacation rental market, like on a beach or in the mountains, it's going to be far more common. But if you're in a less, uh, what I would call a primary, if you're in a secondary market, not a primary market, there's very few of these short-term rentals changing hands. So when somebody buys an investment property, they typically are making it into a short-term rental. And there's a whole bunch of different things
0: you have to do in your process to make sure that that's done correctly. Um, Well, and I think you touched on a really important piece of the puzzle. There is a lot of work to be considered in the legality of it. Um, Obviously, our beach house, it it is a short-term rental area. It is a vacation area. No headaches there. The property we have in Colorado The county requires a short-term rental permit. This is Custer Mm -hmm. County. And Mm -hmm. we had to have fire evacuation plan drafted. And, uh, you know, the fire extinguishers have to be uh, inspected every year. Mm -hmm. These kinds of things. So there are a lot of things to consider like that. Yes? Absolutely. Well, and you mentioned your buddy's place
2: in the Denver denver he stayed there but yeah he stayed there sure but the the individual who owns that listing is going to do very well over the long term because when you have regulation that gets put into place typically they cap the total number of short-term rentals or they make it difficult to add new ones so you have a constraint on your supply of short-term rental permits where demand is continuing to increase what does that do generates higher profit prices, which generate what? Higher profits. And so one of the reasons why this industry is so interesting and why I think there's a lot of value to be captured is because of regulation. It, it has a, a, a governmental or bureaucratic constraint on supply that doesn't exist in a lot of ways in a lot of places.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Denver is one of those.
2: Yes. Denver has some of the... Denver has... Well, I don't know if that's true. Denver has if not the most strict, some very strict short-term rental laws. I mean, they've literally put people in jail over illegal short-term rentals, uh, wow. which is kind of startling. Yeah, two people went to jail last year in 2020. Well, that's
0: kind of a short-term rental if you look at it. <laughs> that's right, yeah.
2: You don't even have to pay rent though,
1: actually.
0: <laughs> well, eventually you're going uh, to end up paying the rent on it, yeah. But yeah, that's <laughs> kind of typical. Jen, you do a ton of traveling. And I am guessing some of your lodging is short-term rental.
1: Oh yeah, stayed at an the- adorable one in Albuquerque this weekend.
0: Ah, okay, great example. And what were some of the highlights? Were there any lowlights?
1: Um, there was a hot tub, private hot tub. Wow! Just for it was. It looked like they had converted a garage into this little casita, as they called it. Um, it was a little one bedroom. It was perfect for the two of us for a night, but had a had a little. Um, kind of yard not really because it was converted but big enough for a small hot tub um, and a hammock and private parking was a huge huge was to have parking available where we could get the car off the street Um, there was even a little fence because there's areas that were not that great in Albuquerque that we found so it was nice that I felt like my car was safe I felt like we were safe Um, I would say the only low light was they had a key box that you had to put in a code but it wasn't electronic at all. And I felt like I could have broken into it pretty easily. So I feel like anyone could have, it was pretty antiquated. Um, But other than that, I mean, it wasn't overly stocked but if we had been there long enough to cook then there was plenty of pots and pans. There was a washer dryer, that's always nice. Um, The air conditioning worked. It was, yeah, you know, 100 a hundred degrees weapon. outside. So that's, good. <laughs> uh, but the hot tub was, I'm actually looking for a short-term rental to do like a little women's weekend wellness thing next spring. And the biggest thing I'm looking for is somewhere that's got a private hot tub. Like there's just, that's just kind of an extra layer of re- relaxation. I mean, I don't take a lot of weekends off. So that was really nice, even at one o'clock in the morning to use the hot tub.
0: Oh, so much maintenance on it from my perspective.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. I don't even, I don't even want grass, right? All of, our short term rentals don't have any landscaping whatsoever, naturally wooded area, HOA managed, whatever the concrete, just slabs and slabs of concrete, <laughs> whatever the case may be. So, yeah, that what did what did that run you?
1: We paid $112, including all the fees for the night.
0: The cleaning fee?
1: Everything. It was $112 bucks what? total. I got a steal, you guys. I am pretty good at finding. That's, really affordable, good Airbnb. That was hard. on a
2: Saturday. That was on a Saturday night. Saturday
1: night in downtown Albuquerque for one hundred and twelve dollars. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they
1: definitely they definitely could be charging more for this place. It was, it was cute.
0: Okay. Um. So Jacob, I've personally and certainly with some of our mortgage clients, we've seen a fairly monumental shift this year. So mm-hmm. in 2020. 21. We saw, obviously, a lot of short-term rental properties being acquired, a lot of investment properties being acquired, uh, STR and LTR. And one of the big shifts in our side of the industry that occurred is that the Federal Housing Finance Authority basically kind of slid in a two-point hit, give or take, on second homes and investment properties. So you're really not even getting aggressive on a mortgage until you're putting a quarter down, 25%. And in 20 and 21, a short-term, not a short-term rental, a second home, which you could uh, use as short-term rental. Uh, Second home, for those of you that don't know, means you're going to use it 30 nights a year. That's what defines a second home. You could do it with 10% down and a rate in the twos. Now, and granted, rates have come down a bit after a couple of Fed meetings you're probably at 25% down with a rate in the fives. So there's got to be some kind of impact to how people are looking at it, what the cash flow is, how wise the investment is, those kinds of things. And don't get me wrong, the real estate market is still going like gangbusters. Um, We may not see 20 or 25% returns year over year in the coming years, but hell, if it's only 10 or 15, I'll take my 10% return instead of 13 if the interest rates have gone up. Fine, whatever the case may be. Um, but have you seen a shift in that? has it seemed to have, an, and don't get me wrong, I know the feds did it in an effort to try and free things up a little bit for the owner occupant. Sure. Obviously, a housing shortage is what it is. There isn't a damn thing out there that we're going to be able to do, not one thing. That's going to have an impact on the housing shortage. I get the motivation. And I think like most things, government, the motivation is pure and the execution is crap. Um, And I see that there's a major housing shortage. And I see that we want to help owner occupants obtain places to live. This isn't obviously the way to go about it, but has it had an impact on what you're seeing when it comes to people acquiring second homes, vacation rentals? Long-term rentals because you're probably still managing a bunch of those. Yeah, as so it's gifted.
2: A, it's a good question. Um, actually, for us, and to be clear, I'm not really boots on the ground anymore. Um, I'm not. Fair I'm enough. not brokering deals. I'm running a company, and I've got agents who are boots on the ground, and we meet all the time. I'm still in charge of sales, but to be honest, our brokerage is actually doing pretty well. Um, so we haven't seen a huge reduction in demand. It, it, what it has done, Adam, is it's limited how far your cash can go, right? Of course, if you're putting more down, that's the big question mark. It's not the interest rates that are really driving it. It has more to do with the amount of money that can be borrowed. And so that's like where we would have a client, let's say a year ago, we'd have a client who would have hundred thousand dollars. They'd go out and buy two, three properties. And they would use these lower down payment programs. They'd find different ways. They'd house hack one, not the other, et cetera. Whereas today they'd be able to buy one property. So we're starting to see that happen a little bit more. Um, regarding the return, though, I mean, we don't touch deals that are less than a 20% cash on cash return. And so everything right. we're doing is 20% uh, or above. And all of our clients, same, same, go- same goes for them as well.
0: Okay. I think that's a really good rule. Um, and along those lines, typically... What we look for and uh, historically what was actually required in investment, this is relatively new to the residential world, although it existed heavily in the commercial world for decades, is what we refer to as a debt service ratio Mm -hmm. of 125. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for a 25% margin, uh, 25% above your holding costs. um, And 20, I guess it depends on the property. I mean, if it's a property with a fucking hot tub, sorry, Jed, but if I've got to maintain a hot tub, yeah, twenty bad. might not be. If I've got a pool, um, you know, if I've got major landscaping, whatever the case may be, and I see properties, God, we rented one in Anaheim for a dozen people to take a family trip to Disneyland, eight bedrooms, pool, hot tub, you know, sunroom. I mean, it was beautiful, beautiful property, but the maintenance costs, the holding costs the management costs were probably through the roof.
2: Yeah. That's generally, I generally
0: think my margins got to be better. Yeah. And it, and it is. I mean, when I say
2: cash on cash, I'm talking about all of the cash invested to take a vacant property, to turn it into a short-term rental. So that can include adding a hot tub to so your initial CapEx of adding a hot tub. Let's say you buy a property, 400,000, put a hundred thousand down, put another 50 to 65,000 in. So your cash Invested is 150 to 165. We're talking about a 20% return on that 160,
0: 165. Ah, gotcha. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, so when I say cash on cash return, I'm talking about for the investor total cash invested, total cash return on an y- annual basis. So that right, year, right. your first full 12 months of operations, you should see checks of about what is that? 10% would be 15,000. You should receive about 30,000 in income every year uh, to service your debt, 30 to 40,000. Uh, and that includes professional property management. So, so, you know, that when we're looking at deals, the interest rates don't matter so much. It has more to do with, do you have enough cash to execute a short-term rental deal? That's the biggest constraint we're running into now.
0: Okay. And I think that that's one of the big shifts and don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Lending guidelines didn't change. It's literally just the difference between putting 10% down and getting a, you know, rate that could be six and a half. Mm-hmm. Or putting 25% down and getting into an arena where it's going to actually be competitive and make yeah. good financial sense. So, yeah, that that makes a whole lot more sense. So, what does the next year look like? it's been a year plus since we've had you on the show. Probably going to be a year plus since we get you back. We're going to try, certainly. Jen's nodding yes, please. Oh, no, November,
1: <laughs> November of 23 is one. <laughs> and, and
0: Jen will have stayed in a dozen short-term rentals by then. Sure. Um, and actually, I do have one more question before we get into what the future is going to hold for Jacob. Airbnb versus VRBO? Uh, it depends
2: on market. Right, So they each kind of have their own flavor. They each have their own uh, purpose. Um, we think of it more of just eyeball eyeballs. We want as many eyeballs on our listings as possible. But in our market, it's primarily Airbnb. Okay.
0: So I want to make it clear to everybody that that's because you have systems and tech and, uh, you know, all kinds of things yeah. put in place. Because you're, like you said before we went live, managing 100 doors in the short-term rental space is really like managing a 1,000. Yeah. Right. So that's a big deal. So for me, trying to manage a few of them, I like Airbnb's tech better than VRBO. We should know that Airbnb takes a smaller cut 3% versus eight. We use both, but I really prefer Airbnb for from the owner side, from the owner yeah. manager side. If
2: I were in your shoes or if I were a homeowner who's got one or two listings, I would only use one platform. And I would
0: pick Airbnb. We, I w- we I would do not have try them on VRBO, but we do jack the cost way up.
2: Sure. And you can. I just, uh, for me, for simplicity's sake, I would be on a single platform. And there's software that makes it easy to do both. And it's not a big deal, et cetera, et cetera. I switched before I started this company. I, I had it just on Airbnb. I moved my you know, four listings or whatever to both. I had so many issues and problems that I, I just wasn't willing to resolve and go through the time to build new systems that I just took it off. It wasn't worth the, you know, the additional uh, one to two bookings a month on VRBO versus the 10 to 20 I was getting on Airbnb. It just wasn't worth the, the extra.
0: But- I think we'd feel the same way.
2: Yeah, tech is improving though. I mean, it, it's definitely improving, so it makes it a lot easier.
0: Okay. All right, so tell us about the next year plus. You're gonna grow your team. You're going to grow your doors that you're managing or are we going to shy away from long-term rentals i should probably mention that another big piece of the puzzle for us when we started looking at short-term rentals versus long-term rentals was the rent moratorium
1: mm-hmm. that was
0: a big deal early on in the pandemic mm-hmm. now, granted yeah. what short-term what long-term rental income we had we did get our long-term renters paid their bills but not everybody did I've still got mortgages to pay on those properties. Yeah. So that was a concern with a short-term rental. The minute they go in the door, I've got my money. Yeah. In essence. Yeah. it's
2: it's, it's it, it, I, I'm I'm of a believer in doing both. I uh, I had um, some tenants not pay rent when the moratorium was in place. It was very frustrating. It was very difficult. Um, it was a pain to work with the government to try to step in and make sure our mortgages were handled, but it worked out okay, just a pain. Um, There are benefits to short-term rentals. There are downsides too. So there's lots of things that are involved in both. Uh, And so I'm not sure that one is superior to the other. I'm definitely not moving one more towards one or the other. I'm just moving to what deal makes sense that's in front of me. Yeah.
0: Strictly about the dollars. That's right. It's about the the ROI and the
2: risk and the risk, right? You have to do a risk adjusted return. So even though these short-term rentals are earning 20% cash on cash, that sounds amazing, right? It sounds awesome. Well- there's greater risk, right? So it's your risk-adjusted return that you have to account
0: for. I would say that that's true. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, one of the comments I get frequently, which I find very funny, as well, there's less wear and tear on a short-term rental, right? That's crazy. No, absolutely yeah. not. That's absolutely crazy. Maybe the yeah. opposite, in fact.
2: Well, one one thing that is different is that deferred maintenance doesn't occur if you have your right systems in place. So with short-term rentals, because you have somebody on your team has eyeballs on the property at almost at least every week, right. your deferred maintenance goes way, way, way down. And if you ever have an issue, you find out right away, you have to fix it right away. You don't have a choice. Like yeah. long-term rental tenant says, Hey, my AC is broken. It's like, ah, we'll get to it in two weeks. Mm-hmm. No, assuming it's not crazy hot. Unless It's, it's, it's not a problem in, in, in case, December. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so with a short-term rental, it's like, Oh no, I need to get that solved today. Right? Like I need to do that today. Um, otherwise I have to refund this person, which is, um, uh, In long-term rentals, your biggest cost is vacancy. In short-term rentals, your biggest cost is refunds. And so you want to do everything you can possible not to refund uh, folks and you just solve problems. To answer your question though, Adam, like what's in the future? Um, I would love to share like our goals. I mean, our plan at Renjoy is to distribute over 200 million in passive income over the next 10 years. And we want to have over a thousand owners who we're working with, uh, as well over the next 10 years. And I think, um, this time next year will probably be about 250, 300 listings. And uh, we'll be going big gangbusters, multiple markets, multiple states.
0: That is fantastic. All right, obviously we both know a ton of people that are doing this short-term rental model mm-hmm. and they could probably use your help. How do they find you? Yeah, just Renjoy.com, pretty easy. I put easy it in the comments it. already. I'm, yeah, I'm, look at Jen, screaming. Right. All right. <laughs> On top of this. Jen, what else do you want to know from Jacob? Because yes, I see you're not. and I know we've already blown through half an hour. I don't know how that happened.
1: It went by really quick. Yeah. No, this is so cool. Um we get a lot of guests that are like, my things have shifted in the last year, but it's not normally that they've shifted this this far. It's normally like I changed companies and I'm doing the same thing. So no, this has been great. Um and the insight is awesome and I think it's great content. It's great different content. We don't talk to a lot of people in this world very often on the show so thank you we really appreciate it
0: yeah it's awesome to be here and to talk to you guys yeah we'll uh, absolutely book a third episode with you here sometime next year um jen what else do you want our audience to know i know you want to talk about the mastermind
1: yes mile high mastermind is a month from tomorrow Tomorrow, a month from tomorrow. So the sixth annual, can't believe it's the sixth, Wow. Mile High Mastermind is September 16th and 17th at the University of Denver. Um, We're doing things a little different this year. I'm excited. We have some panels that we're gonna be doing. Um, I'm gonna walk people through Meta's business suite, which I think is a huge asset to all business owners. If you're not using it, you should be. If you need to know how to learn it, know how to learn it, know how to use it, come to the event and learn how to use it. We have a really cool social event planned for Friday night. I'm sure we're going to find something awesome for Saturday night too. Uh, You can get tickets. You can find that link by texting tips to 63566 or message Adam or myself and we'll send you the link. Uh, But again, that's only a month from tomorrow, which I can't believe we're halfway through August already. Um, But also at that link, you can get past episodes of the show. You can find our weekly little tip. You can book a free hour of coaching with us, get a copy of Adam's book. Which Phoebe is sleeping on right now. So I'm not gonna <laughs> wake her up. Sorry.
0: You I'm know. surprised we didn't see any animals from your place today.
1: Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of odd. You'll have to go and check they're, that they're all there. Yeah, they're all mad at me for being gone for one night. So um, but yeah, so text tips to six three five six six to find out all the things about us, but especially to grab your tickets for the Mile High Mastermind, which is September sixteen and seventeen.
0: Wow. Well, thank you. Um, and we do still have tickets available, obviously.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And Jacob, thank you. I know it's hard to carve this kind of time out on a Monday morning. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me. You bet. For everybody else, if you want to catch us live, it's 10.30 Monday morning, mountain time. And we'll probably be back next week with another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. Until then, you guys take care.
1: Bye, guys. Bye.